Welcome back, everyone, to the Cancel for Maintenance podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we are a show that takes a behind-the-scenes look into the gritty, non-glamorous life of aircraft maintenance. We share some laughs and impart some wisdom, all in hopes of giving you that split seconds of relief in your day that will hopefully prevent a mishap. I am your co-host, Six. I'm MBP. And our third host, Shoreline, is here again in the back, silently monitoring our audio, making sure our faces stay fit for radio. So it's coming towards the end of the year, and this is kind of around the time where we kind of assess how we did throughout the year. You know, some of the good, some of the bad, our strengths and weaknesses, things we learned, things we wished we should have learned. <laughs> um, and we we picked up a bunch of hobbies, for one. Um, stuff that either we've dabbled in previously, but ne- didn't really pick up until now, or stuff we just decided to go all in on we've never tried before and we just decided to just give it a shot um yeah it, we we kind of talked about these on a couple of the episodes with core about you know decompressing and and relieving stress and all that and, and getting in a hobby whether that's exercising um sewing boating you know in my case woodworking that's become um kind of my hobby over the last few months and i've built uh anything from you know a small box to uh a large uh piece for that would go inside the house right Mm -hmm. Uh, a rack with sort of a upper backboard with numerous hooks to hang jackets backpacks whatever um actually looks pretty dope by the way that looks pretty (laughs) dope by the way you know what i mean like uh when you when you show me like your progression, uh, MVP for uh, for example, like when when you start something out, it doesn't look amazing like right off the bat. You know, like some things might be a little bit rough cut, but that's just kind of like you learning the tools and the kind of like the muscle memory of the of the action. And then he pulls this one out like a couple a week or two ago, and like, hey, this is what I made. Like, holy shit, <laughs> that skill progression man just went like from like four to like eleven, like how did you do that (laughs) so and um and this was all just like just like i wouldn't say non-standard tools i would say more like it's standard but harder kind of thing you know like uh, uh for example like say like you would cut joints with a table saw or a or a, a, a miter box or a joiner or something like that or a routing table and then here's mvp doing it with a a uh, a circular saw and a chisel <laughs> you know so yeah, I, mean, I legit made a live edge uh bench this past weekend with with a chisel and a uh a circular saw yeah that's pretty dope man and <laughs> like, like i said man like it, it's it's standard but it's one of those like not as not as efficient right <laughs> and I did when I see some of the stuff you did, it, it totally reminds me of like those um DIY uh shows, like where a guy's like, I'm gonna build a house today, or I'm gonna build this cabin in the middle of like this snow covered field <laughs> or something like that, you know? And mm-hmm. and uh I mean granted everything's all hyperlapsed, so like they get four months worth of work done in like 10 minutes. <clears throat> so like you're kind of numb to how much work really goes into it. And then, so you, so when you decide to put in the work, like, wow, there's a, you start seeing all the hiccups or you start seeing all the stuff that really takes time 
like add up and like wow okay this is not as uh not as fast as i thought it was gonna be <laughs> and and i think that's kind of like why uh a lot of stuff we we tend to kind of draw back on or turn away from and in my case it was um like a miniature painting i've yeah. never then you want to talk about progression right going back <laughs> through the pictures the first starting you know uh kind of messed this up or or I, many, many texts I got with a picture that says these beep figurines and they're stupid, small beep things. I'm trying to glue together. And I got beep glue everywhere, you know, censoring, of course. But that's kind of, you know, how it was to mm-hmm. to uh, to one of the most recent ones I saw. And that's where the the way you applied the paint almost makes the figurines look like a, they have a, a, a blue aura coming off of them which is it's incredible to see you know almost like uh this is not a slight but like you know kindergarten crayon drawings to bob ross paintings you know it's like it's pretty 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 impressive appreciate it man and now though that the one that he's talking in particular really was an air quotes happy accident in <laughs> in bob ross terms because i had no idea what the hell i was doing and uh, i've seen some uh how-to videos of how to simulate what i was trying to do and these are guys who have been doing it for who knows how long. So like their eyes, their, their hand eye coordination, the miniature or the micro handling was just like on point. And I'm trying to do something similar or I'm trying to figure out how to do this. I'm like, yeah, that, I have no idea how to try. So I just like slapped a couple of things on and just thought it would look cool. And it actually turned out pretty decent. Like, Oh, there we go. Bob Ross, happy accidents, everybody. <laughs> and, <laughs> But what I will I will admit by doing this, whether it was woodworking, miniature painting, or whatever your like uh, your hobby DIY skills are, there's a certain like fulfillment in it, like of actually like exerting some creativity. And yeah, it's pride. You yeah. created something with your own hands and your own eye and design. Yeah, and th- this kind of brings me back to when I first became an aircraft mechanic. Because I didn't know dick shit about planes. Like uh, when they first rattled off the model number of a heli- of the planes I worked on for the first time, I what does that even mean? I I thought it was like a one of those like uh, those computer codes or something, you know, like like stuff that ju- you kind of throw in in MS DOS mode and it somehow generates a picture somehow. That's what I thought it was, and then they put the tools in your hand, you start actually doing stuff. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. Some of the stuff I busted my hands, I busted stuff on my face, um, like drop stuff uh, like on my forehead or or hit my elbow in places where I shouldn't, things like that. But, uh, and the, the planes that they make you work on are a heaping mess. They're like the ones that just kind of, they're about to toss it into the garbage, but they figured, you know, let's have some students crawl over this thing. <laughs> so here, here's I mean, the that's legit how some of the A&P schools are, you know, especially the one I went to. There was many a uh, different airframe inside that place that those will never be airworthy again or mm-hmm. to make them airworthy will cost more than the the thing is worth. So but what what a what what better assets to hone your your craft upon yeah. something that's not going to be uh risking life and limb of pilots and passengers most definitely and even though this thing was a pile of junk for the most part like it's a hoopty at at best 
<laughs> it's like this hollow shell of a of an abandoned dream. That's kind of what it looked like. But uh, were, some of the parts were still fairly good. Like they will never fly again, but they were still good enough to get the concept of it. So, you know, you bust your you bust your hands, you drop things on your face, you hit your elbows and knees in places, but you you, you can sort of see the progress or the process of piecemealing this hoopty thing into like it's basically trash like this rat nest of parts into like something that looks halfway decent of an aircraft and like wow that was cool like i we did that me, me and our student team we put that together and we did it and you slowly start feeling the the sense of fulfillment and that's kind of like what uh uh, the simulated feeling was when I was doing the miniature painting or the woodworking for MVP is like, it kind of flashes us back to that, that initial high of like, just taking pride in the stuff you did. And it's, I think it's something that we as mechanics constantly chase. Maybe that's why we like things that are broken or like, we like trying to fix things that are broken or. Yeah, I think it's, we like the impossible, right? It's like, Oh my God, you're wasting your time. But then you, you come out on the other side and, and you've uh, fixed it and above your and everyone else's expectations. And it's that, you know, the, the kudos and the high fives and the well done, but you know, deep down it's that, yeah, they said it was non-fixable or un, or a waste of time, but I did it and I succeeded. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, and what I noticed too, is like, uh, well, at least from the, the, the outlet methods that we use for him say outlet were like the 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 hobbies that we've we've recently discovered is we're reactivating a lot of different um like um muscle motions i would say if that's the, the right word where but we're reactivating a lot of things that our brains have turned off but we like using fine motor skills or having like that those laser-like precision uh focus and just like having to see a job through, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, we do this right. day to well, embodying at the core of the word the the tenets of a craftsman or craftsmanship. Yes. yes. Like, uh, I know you know we all joke about we're, we're glorified parts changers, but some days, some days that's kind of what we are, you know. And you start thinking about. Man, what what is a what is still the craftsmanship in in our industry? And I'll tell you, probably in today's day and age, it's going to be sheet metal workers and uh, some uh, unique design composite technicians, right? Mm -hmm. And and how we came to this, and I was telling six this is this weekend uh, while doing some of the woodworking, and this is probably happened because I was getting a little hallucinogenic with the uh, mixture of the stain and the polyurethane. <laughs> but, uh, but I was, as I was sitting there applying, applying either or to one of the projects I was doing, it got me thinking about, you know, uh, old wood covered uh, or wood constructed aircraft, you know, World War One era stuff. And, and then I started thinking about biplanes. And I got to tell you, to me, there's no better looking aircraft than an old school biplane. I don't know what it is about the, the two wing design. And it's just like, uh, to me, it's the epitome of 
when somebody says aircraft, that's kind of what I go to first. I think they're just a beautiful design. Those old radials uh, thumping away. Um, it's just, you know, they're very acrobatic, not very fast, but super maneuverable. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I got me thinking, man, why don't they build biplanes today? You know, obviously the small little, you know, aircraft, the experimentals and stuff for sure, but why not commercial or, or cargo or military or whatever? And okay, I got it. Gotcha. We got super advanced materials now and way more powerful systems and engines and this and that. So, uh, we've clearly done some engineering since since world war one and deemed that we've got better designs but i'll argue that they still don't look as good yeah they're sleek and whatever else you know especially some of the new gen fighters but if you tell me about you know a passenger airliner and a cargo jet giant metal tubes with some wings i mean they're all relatively look the same um anyways getting back on topic so i was thinking about the buy you know it got me on this oh they constructed wood and the fabric covered wings and that got me thinking of of when i was in a p school and one of my favorite things we did was built uh build a mock uh just a small scale wing out of wood and then we had to uh wrap it uh in fat and fabric the polyfiber i think is what it was and dope it and butyrate which is uh i'm remembering right you know it's got uh anti-uv uh protection in it to protect the wood from the sun and the fabric from the sun also a little bit moisture resistant then we had to paint it and then we had to paint in uh, lettering for whatever your you know tail number was or or whatever and i really enjoyed that project and I have not touched fabric covered wood built aircraft since not a one time. Now I know they're few and far between. And at one point in time, when I was looking for a job right out of school, I thought about going to uh, an overhaul shop and working on old aircraft. Cause I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that, that part of school. And even we put tears in the wings Right, we made this beautiful wing, and they said, "All right, here, take your box cutter and cut a cut an L shape in it." Now you're going to stitch it back together with the baseball stitch. And I was like, "Oh man, I don't want to cut my wing." Well, this is how you learn, and you use the you know the wax string, and you do it all, and curve needles, and it was uh, it was very. I felt very good doing that. Like I felt like a real craftsman. I even went home. We had this. Uh, sort of umbrella type canopy on one of the tractors at the farm and it had an L-shaped tear in it and I baseball stitched it and it's still to this day and that's been I don't know 20 uh tw no like 16 16 17 years ago still holding up yeah but yeah. uh it, you know it made me feel like a, a real craftsman and so it just got us on the subject of talking about our skills and our strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes it's hard to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Cause we don't do the full scale of the job. I'm sure some of you out there, you know, work in uh, certain shops where you do a range of everything. But, um, I know for the, the latter part of my career, it's kind of, you're a, I'm going to say a one trick pony type thing. You know, you're a department that's, a 
mechanics and you work engines and you work hydro systems and you work oil systems and whatever else. And then you have your avionics and all they work is wire stuff and electronics and nav systems. And then you have, you know, a hydro, you know, then you have, you can even have a hydro shop. Then you got your sheet metal people. And then, yeah, just, you often don't get to cross uh, train or cross work a lot. So some of our skill sets sort of diminish or dwindle because we're not actively using them. You know, you, you know, you're absolutely right when you bring that part up because, um, some of the artist stuff that I thought was really cool besides like the sheet metal and the, um, and the composites were the guys who actually had to do the paint because, uh, there were times when, uh, some of the painters, they get the liberty of just kind of creating the livery for certain aircraft. And this is where you see guys really get into the weeds of stuff, right? They'll bring their airbrushes. They'll bring like these, spe these, uh, these, uh, different like little stencil cutters, or at the time, there were like these little, it kind of looks like a, a an industrial cricket almost <laughs> for those who actually done cricket stuff. But they had like this industrial one where it could almost like, it could cut almost whatever shape you wanted to. And it wasn't really to draw or paint the actual livery on it. It was more or less just to kind of mask stuff off. So they kind of work it in zones or sections. And you see this person just going to town, man, just like... Uh, it's kind of like how a stone carver, they just see this big uh, block of stone and somewhere inside it, they kind of see like the thinking man uh, statue or whatever else. And then they're like, well, it's already in there. I just got to chisel it out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, but seeing like those guys, what, the way they work with the painting and like how just meticulous they can get. And this is going to be something that's going to be taking a beating from the elements and it still looks really good. And we see murals, pictures, paintings of aircraft with these liveries, like uh, uh, what the what was the one popular one with Alaska Airlines with that one uh, fish that runs the length of the body, or uh, like those pinups uh, on old war uh, war style aircraft. Those those were like uh, again uh, one of those uh, little craftsman things, and another one that you that kind of came to my mind as you were talking about it is. We've let we have let our skill sets more or less dwindle to the wayside because the way technology is, for as good as it does, it kind of diminishes you as a critical thinker, so, so to speak. Because uh, before, when when MVP and I were coming up, troubleshooting was like almost an art form in itself. Like you had to be like real attuned to what this aircraft does and how it does it and when it does it. So so much to where you're almost like a scientist about this. And then when, when it acts a certain way or it behaves a certain way or uh, it sounds a certain way, like you can almost tell exactly what's going on. Uh, I, I think MVP gave this one example to me like some time ago where this one person heard an engine running and you can tell like at what stage was having problems. Like I just hear a very loud like uh engine noise you know like the 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 squealing the squeeching and the and the and the exhaust and that's it but somehow this person his ears are just fine-tuned to the frequencies of the inner stages of this aircraft of this engine and he knows where the problem is so right and you know that's a result of today's day and age where where our manufacturing uh has gotten so reliable that we just have multiples of everything so we don't have to salvage 
an engine, so to speak. We we just go, oh, it's got a little bit of a knock or it's got a little bit of an issue. All right, pull it off and put another one on. You know, maybe that other engine will go back to overhaul, but we're not troubleshooting it in the field and, and overhauling. You know, like uh, I was reading a book, uh, and I can't it's called Bent Props and Blow Pots, and it mm -hmm. talks about Bush being a Bush mechanic, aircraft mechanic. Oh, it had to be back in the 30s or 40s in uh remote uh alaska and and you know they got stuck on this frozen lake and they hit a rock under the snow and it bent the prop and the guy had just a small tool bag of of, of tools and he put he wedged the propeller blade took it off wedged the bent one between two rocks used his body weight to bend it back into semi shape and then took his hammers and and stuff and and uh, damn near put it back to factory setting just just with a touch of, of the hand and the eye right mm -hmm. and and same thing it talked about this old radio engine and you know they had a, a heavy payload to get out of there heavier than what the you know aircraft could take off with uh you know it would be really struggling right they would need a lot of room but you're down in these uh deep forest valleys on taking off on frozen lakes so you're you're kind of limited to how much runway room you have, and so he talks about sitting in a little trapper shack with the cylinder heads and files and special tools and port and polishing the cylinder heads just to get a little bit more power out of the uh, engine and put it back on and the and and took off no issues and they were able to get a little bit more power to make that climb out with a heavy payload so. That kind of stuff is just super impressive to me. And you know, again, art forms that are dying off like a cobbler, you know, so to speak, yeah. um, because we just, the technologies we have today are just so good and so reliable, right. uh, which is great, right? As for us advancing and moving uh, beyond the realms of our own atmosphere and progressing out into the uh, vastness of space. But, but with that, we do lose the 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 critical thinking skill sets and knowledge and understanding of systems and components and maybe we'll get there again as we venture into the void right yep out, out into the, you know looking for other planets and stuff i mean we're going to get out there and there's not going to be a factory uh supply line at least in the early years right long long after in the 41st millennium right of warhammer will will be there but until that point we you know we'll be having to fix our spacecraft on the go as we're moving right and maybe hopefully you know mars will we'll, as we start colonizing we find out that mars is like this buku awesome freaking planet full of mechanics <laughs> yeah um, they worship the machine yeah but are masters of the machine you know yeah. <laughs> and and you're exactly right when you brought up the point with technology. Like it has progressed so far, so fast, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Like the fact that technology can almost communicate with us is fantastic because now it makes tr um like uh diagnostics that much more accurate. It makes like uh fine-tuning performance that much more accurate. How the downside of this, which I believe is a weakness in myself as well, is we tend to rely just a little bit too much on the technology, you know, like uh, we wait for the aircraft to tell us what's going on with it, or we kind of get complacent in just saying, oh, well, the aircraft's just going to tell us what's wrong with it. And 
sometimes you know like uh these uh advances or this uh these computer technologies that are inside the plane or any type of machine rather is uh it's got to be working 100% right for it to tell you what's wrong with it you know what i mean like uh it there it can get a lot of false positives or it can tell you all sorts of things that just magically don't work and it's not like it, it, in previous times where like you can just kind of bypass one thing or or just piecemeal it back together so to speak or you know use some kind of art artisan like fix to kind of hoof it to the next stop where you can actually tear it to pieces versus this one like if if uh certain things are not working correctly then the whole thing just doesn't decides not to work it's kind of like your printer you know what i mean like uh you wanted to print something but it's low on, on one co particular color of ink it's just not going to print at all <laughs> you know it's kind of like hey printer print low on cyan I, but you're printing black and white i don't care low on cyan like uh, and i've been hearing this a lot of stories especially with the newer planes like uh the 787s or some of these uh let's call it artificial intelligence planes right they're obviously not but and you know like they're more or less that finicky where they'll just be sitting on the line perfectly fine no problems whatsoever and then you as a mechanic you're plugging in you're doing your thing you're more or less asking the system to run a built-in test to make sure everything's running fine. And all is going great until right up to the point where the pilot starts to really take the uh, take control. And then it goes, oh, by the way, here uh, here's a list of problems. Like, when the hell did this come about? <laughs> right? And again, that as MVP has alluded to, like, uh, the good part is it's it's helps helping strengthen our ability to diagnose. It's helped strengthening our ability to really fine tune things and be able to remove and replace things in a more our accurate way. But the drawback is we're starting to we're losing all those uh, those more intricate skills where we can actually understand the plane of what it's doing or understand the machine of what it's doing and why it does the things it does and and just being able to uh, fabricate a solution, right? Like uh, we were more in a sense starting to turn into just the uh, the part changers, the remove and replace guys, or uh, what some auto mechanics call lubies. We're just we're turning into lubies. That's really what it is. And as as hurtful as that sounds, even for even to say, even to myself, that's more or less what we did. Like uh, there was like next to no real critical thought to it. Just like move and replace. And um, that's where we kind of get into those uh, those bad uh, shop habits where we talk about the parts shotgun or the parts cannon. Just load it up and see what sticks or, you know, keep firing at it until whatever works, works. And we complain about it, sure, all the time. And I believe part of that is because we, we trust just a little too much into um, the technology itself. And um, I believe, and I think that's kind of the reasons why uh, we as mechanics say it's starting to we're 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 trying we're not giving a good enough reason for for us to stick around. You know what I mean? If that's if that's uh fairly accurate, you know. So, yeah, maybe we we lose a sense of uh, the sense of accomplishment, so to speak. Yeah. Um And and so that's why I think it's. Uh, kind of important to 
you know, find, I know we work on things all week. So sometimes the last thing you want to do on the, on your free time is work on something, right? They, you know, there's an old saying that the cobbler's kids went barefoot <laughs> uh, because I, all he did was make shoes all week for everybody else. And the last thing he wants to do is spend his time making shoes for his kids, right. you know, or, <laughs> or the, kid. or the car mechanic has the, has the, the crappiest car in the parking lot. Cause they don't, they don't work on their own stuff. That's true. Um, <laughs> that and, so and, true. Yeah. And, and I understand that, you know, you, you all week long, you beat up busting your, uh, knuckles and hands up and everything else. And you get sore. And then you come on the weekend. And, oh, I got to change out the, uh, clutch in the car. And I could probably make it another week. Although really make it another week. We all know, you know, that time passed six months prior. <laughs> right. or, you, you know, know so it, go ahead. I'll say, I was going to say, like, you hear the saying, like, I, I, I know my car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, the fuel gauge doesn't work. Yeah. But I know, I know how, how, how far. Uh, okay. Well, uh, you know, uh, Kool-Aid likes to play that game with the gas tank and the, in the, in the fuel gauge works, but. Loves to run it almost to E every time. And, oh, I know I know my car. Well, I hope you know your feet because you'll be walking, getting this gas <laughs> when this thing breaks down. I'm not going. Really? You would let me go by myself? Yeah, I have to because that's how you're going to learn. That's how I'm going to have to teach you a lesson. Always the hard way. <laughs> Why are we like this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but I think uh, I think it's good though. Maybe maybe not. You know, it could be something just like what I'm doing with woodworking. Just start off small, making making something small for the house, and uh, just applying your hands to natural element, right? You know, yep. and that could even be gardening as well, right? Getting your hands in the dirt and and realigning yourself, you know, a little bit with uh, natural elements. And that, you know, all right, you're probably all saying, all right, MVP, you, you hippie freak, like, <laughs> get get off it. Well, no, what I'm saying, though, is, is that uh, that kind of thinking, right, exercising your mind a little bit, um, I think will help you, I think will help in problem solving in your day-to-day -day life, whether you're a mechanic or a desk jockey, um, you know, using using your mind to look at something, say, I could build it this way, but how can I make it better than that? Or you could say, like in my case, all right, yeah, I can build a shelf all day long, but how do I make it, how do I make it, I can build it, here's, I can build a shelf all day long, and I can build them strong enough that you can break apart diesel engines on them. But how do I do that and make it pretty? Meaning, how do I do that and, make it for a piece that you want to have in the house that people will see. You know, I have shelves and stuff. I've been workbenches I built in the garage and they're, they'll probably, they're probably stronger than the house that they're inside of, but they're workbenches. So they're not pretty. I just build them strong. And so when I went to build that piece for inside the house, I said, man, I need it to be strong, but how do I make it look good to be in enough to be in the house? And so, so you look at things, you say, okay, here's, I got the main structure down, but how do I beautify it? How do I put a, a, the craftsman touch to it? Right. 
and oh okay i had some trim here and i and i'll uh you know wood burn and accents there and i'll apply this color of stain on this part but this but a different color over here so it kind of stands out a little bit as the focal point and you just start thinking about things like that and i think that helps you approach problems at work yeah i can get this job done but how can i be a little craftier with it you know how, how do i how does it how do i know how will somebody know that my hands are the ones that were on it when the job's done right okay i'm gonna go change a fuel control or a hydro pump or whatever on an engine but once the job's done whoever goes and looks in there how are they going to know and that could be just like oh i i I cleaned up, I wiped down the lines, polished up the the new unit before it went in, cleaned up the surrounding area. So it's an old dirty engine, but you see this brand new part. And I said, oh, Six worked on that. I know, because look how clean, you know, look at, look at what he did. Or it can be just as simple as how the safety wires input. I mean, have you, have you seen some people, I'm sure you've all seen some people where you go and look at their safety wire job and they did it by hand and it just looks beautiful. Right. You know, yes. the way it's ran, the twist per inch, how it, you know, runs from one bolt to the next. And, and you know who it was, right? You learn everything. Oh, that was so-and-so. They're the only ones who I know who can safety like that. And it's just applying those little bit, you know, I know it's tough to be, like we said, the craftsman in today's environment, but it's those little things like that, that kind of set you apart as the craftsman of the group. Yes. It's those little details. Yes. You know, you just unlocked a core memory of me, man, when you're talking about like uh, taking uh, that extra time for your job. Uh, I, I remember when um, I was starting to learn how to release planes for flight, like um, like pre-flights and then actually certifying that this plane is safe. They would know that you're there because I had a mentor who would say like, clean everything. After you done touching it, clean it. Right. And I always thought like it's just going to be a heaping mess after like maybe 30 minutes of flight. Like, yeah, true, but you were there last. So they knew you were there, right? You, they know it was inspected because it looks for what it's worth. It looks clean. And it's like, that's a good idea. And at first I thought it was kind of dumb. Like, of course, why? But then after, after so long, you know, you, you hear like people's feedback, like both senior mechanics or pilots, even You're like, wow, this looks pretty dang good, right? And so then they start like kind of, they're happy to see that you're there on that plane. Like, oh, good, he's here. So that means, or he or she's here. So I mean, this is going to be freaking great. And it's those, those, those little wins, like just really spark it for you, right? And uh, likewise, you know, like when you do your jobs, like safety wire or doing cable ties, I freaking hate doing cable ties. <laughs> or, uh, uh, or how about even routing the fire loop, right? Yes, yes. Right? I've seen fire loops that look like somebody wadded up a wire mesh and just, you know what steel wool looks like? And just shoved <laughs> it up in there. Yes. And you're like, oh my God, who did this? And then you see some other ones, or they're routed, and you're like, what What jagaloon routed this thing? But then there's yeah. other ones where you're like, wow, what a what an intricate layout, you know? Um, yeah. And and your craftsmanship can even we've harped on this many times, but your craftsmanship can even enter the paperwork side, right? If you're still operating on paper forms, six had mentioned clean the whole area because they know you were there. 
Same thing. Your paperwork alone, your penmanship and your way of writing and your detail in your writing will set you apart as a craftsman because whoever's looking at those forms to release, they're going to go. And sometimes the people looking at the forms don't know, don't know you really at all. Never met you. They don't know the type of work you do. All they see is the paperwork that comes through and they Mm -hmm. go and they start building this thing like, Oh my God, this guy has or gal, but this person has the best handwriting. I love when their paperwork comes through because it's just so easy to read and all the details are there and I don't have to ask for more information and this, that, and the other. And they, they assume that you are the epitome of a craftsman based off of your paperwork alone. Then guess what? You start getting, you start getting personally requested by that, that air carrier. Uh, Hey, we got a jet in such such area is, uh, six around. Uh, yeah, six is on due tonight. We got him over, uh, you know, he's over in Van Nuys working right now. Great. Well, this, our aircraft's in Palm Springs and we'd really like to get him down there to do that. And I know, uh, you know, as, as a manager for that type of stuff, you're going to, okay, you got a personal request. Hey, so-and-so go replace six at, at the Van Nuys airport. And I'm calling six, six, pack your stuff. So-and-so is coming to replace you. Uh, start driving towards Palm Springs, uh, work orders in, on its way. You know, just that kind of stuff. Um, it really makes a big difference. And six talked about the cleaning, right? So many people don't clean up after they were in an area and, and, you know, we're all guilty of it because we get in a hurry, but you should do your best to wipe down the area of which you are working because, again, it's, if if I, Six says, hey, I was over there and I replaced the hydro pump. It had a leak out of the, out of the feed line and, oh, there's hydro fluid everywhere. But I, I, I fixed, replaced the pump, fixed the line, blah, 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 whatever. Put a conical seal in, great. And I go over there and look and there's still fluid drops hanging from a whole bunch of lines all over the area. I'm going... Are you sure you were over here? You know, because there's still fluid. Ever. Did you did you run it? Did you check for leaks? And right. that's another point of it, right? Is cleaning up after your area. Because how do you know it's going to be? How do you know if it's going to leak again if you don't clean up all the spill? So let's say I don't clean up, and and I say, hey, six, I'm going to run it. Uh, I need you to go underneath and check for leaks. And you're under there going, I I don't know. I can't tell. There's fluid everywhere. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, was it fluid from the actual part that you replaced? Like something's failing or is it just all this residual from when it sprayed from the time you took off the last one? Right. From the first time. Yeah. What, what, what am I, you know, so that also helps in in future troubleshooting. Cause if I say I wiped it all down and then it takes off and flies from fan eyes and lands in Teterboro and pilots over there are complaining about, you know, they notice fluid dripping from the cowling or the drain lines. Uh, and they call a mechanic out over there and I open it up and I'm like, Oh my God. And they just replaced the pump. Who the hell did this crap? And you go look in the logbook. I don't know. That's some Jag MVP in Van Nuys, I guess replaced it yesterday, but, uh, he did a shit job of it and then he's going to be calling the vendor. Yeah. It's a mess in here. The hydro pump. I see it was replaced, but from what I'm seeing, they didn't do a great job of it because it's just a all out mess, you know? Yeah. So so you have to you're proving to not only the, the the air carrier themselves but also to your your fellow uh mechanics across the country that you know they see your name in a logbook and they they you know 
and they're going to see your name more than once and that you want to you want that to be associated with quality work yes you, you know you you brought that up exact exactly as i was thinking it with the maker's mark right or the craftsman's mark and there's a reason why a lot of them do those stamps it's kind of like i made this this is of quality it has my I, i'm i'm uh willing to put my name on it right and that's more or less what you're doing with these planes is you're stamping your name off saying that my work is top notch right so i mean take take that into heart when it still looks like a sloppy mess <laughs> so you signed it off it's like well this is the highlight of your work got it now i can understand you know if there's certain places or there's certain jobs where they just you just really don't have the ability to do that 100 percent get it and I don't mean like clean out the wheel well of every single like year's worth of grime and carbon dust and stuff. Absolutely not. You know, but you know, it, like something that you would feel happy about walking away with, with your name on it. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the stuff that we've learned as we're doing our hobbies, the, our way of like kind of venting and channeling our energy in this is we, we, when we, when we stop and we look at it, it's like, yeah, that's something I'll put my name on. Right. And I, that triggers a lot of stuff where we would start thinking of other places like, well, what else would I be comfortable doing? Right. And it, it can be as big or as small as, as you want to apply it to like you know, an email you have to send or a blog that you have to write a, a video that you're posting, whatever. Right. I'm, I'm kind of generalizing at this point, but like, what are you willing to release to the world where it has your name on it? Like what would, what would the, what's the impression that you're trying to give and what's, people's impression that are actually happening <laughs> and as mvp said like his example is like if it's a hot, hot sloppy mess that's what's going to be associated with you like i mean this person will get it done but that's kind of like very budget i just need it done i don't care what it looks like kind of stuff right that's the kind of person that you just uh low risk there the job's gonna get done he, he can feel he or she can feel air and tires cool but if you want the ones where like you know it's it's a high value task it's a high it's a critical item or whatever and you know the customer is paying top dollar to make it to, to get it done right the first time that's when you want all-star mvp that's when you want all-star shoreline all-star six whoever right to be on that job because you know that thing's going to be spiffy like down to down to the to the the scene in its operation because because that's how your your workmanship is like that's how your that's how you've honed your craft and yeah i mean yeah granted like as we said in earlier in the episode there's not a whole lot nowadays it's not you're not re-canvassing a wing or you're not uh refabricating a stringer on in the field but other things factor in right and how you express it whether it be through hobbies or your work it it, it kind of highlights who you are a, as a character, and that maybe that can be like some uh, some strengths and weakness analysis for yourself. I, for one, know my penmanship blows, so <laughs> and uh, I, I at least when I try to write, I at least try to be as detailed as possible, or at least or at least not make too many mistakes, right? At least like if it's crappy, it's a one shot deal where you're not seeing uh, erasure marks and stuff like that or line out marks, so it's definitely something that you want to uh exp like have the work express uh, express who you are not you not your mouth if that you and you guys are catching my drift <laughs> you know what i mean 
Yeah, yeah. Be be the craftsman in your preparation, execution, and completion of your job. If that's in, uh, you get your work order and you, you know, you get yourself a nice little folder to put it all in and you take uh, parts cards with you and, you know, you, you kind of try to plan for, all right, what am I going to need when I'm on the road? Am I going to need Ziploc bags to, you know, bag the lines to check for uh gearbox seal oil leak? You know, am I going to need, you know, extra cans of oil? Am I going to need, is the van set up? Is the van clean? Is the van ready for me to work out of for the next few days? Do I have multiple manila folders to keep the separate work orders in? Um, is the compute, do I have a computer that that's going to work and a printer that's going to work? And do I, you know, okay. And then I get on the job. All right. Is, you know, here's the parts cards and make sure my paperwork squared away. And I cleaned up the area and my safety wire is beautiful and running the Z pattern and, and everything else to, um, you know, completing your work order, which means getting in your electronic database, as we talked about in the last episode, and ensuring that all the hours are input accurately and that you've uh, billed for the right amount of fluids used and you've got your uh, mileage input and you've got your receipts for the gas and your receipts for the hotel and everything's logged into the database, blah, blah, blah. So when you get back to base, you walk in and hand the secretary your work order. And then that secretary knows, man, six is coming off the road. Yeah, I'm going to have to look through the work order just because I got to make sure the data entry is correct and all that. But I I know, I'm 99% sure there's going to be zero errors for me to correct. Whereas, you know, then MVP walks in and she's going to go, oh my God, this blown out mess that's in this <laughs> folder. What what an atro- what what war crime am I about to find in in this paperwork, you know? <laughs> that can't be f- any further from the truth, but it, <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but just just exude it in all you do. Um Yes. And, and do it in your hobbies, right? Try to become um you know, if you're a model a model painter, uh you know, Research it, read up on it, uh, practice, uh, get your hands involved and, and use those critical thinking skills to hone your trade and get better. Same for the woodworking, right? Yeah, I have an idea, but I'm not 100% sure. I got to tell you, YouTube, like the mm-hmm. algorithms for my YouTube right now are like almost, it's either Warhammer or woodworking. You choose your W, you know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what are the W's there? Yep. Uh, mine is also like it's it's Warhammer, um, MIDI model painting, which is mostly Warhammer, <laughs> uh, Lord of the Rings and lore. Um, same with Warhammer lore and uh, welding. Uh, a lot of welding. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I guess I do watch. Uh, there's a channel on uh, on YouTube uh, where they just build crazy machines. Yeah, out of their I, shop in uh, Idaho. Yeah, that's a that's another thing too is welding, man. That that's artistry in itself, man. Like it, it seems easy, but man, like I we've seen some people do some craziness. Like it doesn't even look like a weld; it just looks like, 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 uh, like a rainbow almost. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, ins- insanity. Um, I mean, it could also be uh, some of your hobbies, man. It can be 
Like maybe not so much a challenge your muscle memory, but maybe it challenges your brain a little bit, right? It, have, it forces you to kind of think out of the box. Um, like, uh, I don't know, like uh, playing Uno with your family or something like that. Or or um, like building Lego models from scratch. Uh, not just like the, the ones that already have like pre-made instructions. Or, yeah. or even... Like my youngest son, that's what he does right now. He'll watch whatever on TV and then he'll see something that interests him and he'll try to build... He'll try to build it from memory out of just random Legos. Like he was watching a thing on, I think I had a documentary on about World War One or something. He saw one of those World War One era design tanks mm-hmm. where it's kind of like gigantic track systems and a trapezoidal shape or whatever. And uh, he built one just from memory and, and piecing random Lego pieces together. But that's, that, pretty- that's great stuff, right? It, it it challenges your mind. It makes you uh, uh, look at a kind of a bigger picture. What can I make from all these bits and pieces? And I think uh, doing that is going to help you in your in your job. Oh, most definitely. I mean, just like exercising creativity, period, right? Like whatever whatever your outlet is. Hey, matter of fact, why don't you tell us what your outlet is, <laughs> right? Mine's, model, mine's mini model painting. Uh, MVP right now is with woodworking. Uh, we both get into Warhammer lore and uh, every once in a while we dabble with Legos and uh, we also have our comics too. So that's a bit of a creative exercise. Like how do you express something um, without using like uh, like with, with so much of, with a limited space, you know what I mean? So, um, and that that's another uh, a strength and weakness on ourselves. Like we're very expressive. We know how to like kind of say stuff, right? But like the weakness is like what medium we're using and that's kind of where we really hit the wall (laughs) but it is an opportunity for us to really learn about it and kind of exercise it like just because it's a wall doesn't mean we can't scale it so that's a it's a it's fun and i i I like um me personally i like challenges i like stuff that were like uh the answer's not readily available you kind of have to dig your way through it to figure it out and that, do, that does help a lot, especially when it comes to root cause chasing or um, like uh, troubleshooting, because sometimes the problem doesn't readily show itself. You kind of have to chase around for it or dig around for it. It's like our sad version of CSI, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any Anything else you'd like to add to any anything, MVP? Nope. Just, well, I say nope and then keep talking. What a clown. <laughs> I, I do that every time. Uh, yeah, just get your hands, hands and minds thinking can be something, you know, as simple as uh, playing with Legos with your kids, or it could be as elaborate as uh, welding an entire motorcycle frame from, you know, pipe that you bought at the metal store. Right. And you bend it and cut it, bend it and weld it into, into shape, you know, uh, just uh, use those, uh, use those artistic and uh part of your brain to create something of a beauty and and use your and hone your skills to achieve that vision you have in your head and that will translate into the rest of what you do very well said and again like you know creativity does lead to productivity in in, in a lot of different ways how you apply it, it, it kind of translates to everything else you do, as MVP has said. 
But hey, well, what, what, let us know what you think. What sort of hobbies do you do? What, how do they apply to your day to day? Or how does it, uh, help you escape from your day to day? Let's say that. Now, what sort of ideas do you think that would be useful in your day to day job, either at work or as your escape? <clears throat> let us know in the comments. Let us know on our social medias. What sort of strengths and weaknesses do you have? Let us know on our websites. Our Patreon is by far the best way to get a hold of us and have conversations like this. Uh, Patreon links to our Discord. We have all kinds of conversations with our patrons. So if you'd like to carry this forward or have more involved ones, grab on, get onto the Patreon and join us on Discord. On that note, hey, we appreciate you guys taking a listen. We hope to see you all again in the new year as, it, as the new year comes. Maybe we'd like to hear some of your hobbies, some of your escaping, some of your honed craft or your creativity. And on that note, we'll catch you all again on the next one. Bye, everybody. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. We would like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners. With special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Eric Shaw, Dan Schubert, Ryan Frushauer, Kyle Keir, Mike Sherwood, Caleb Stockhill, and Jennifer Brofer. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. If you like our show, please support us on Patreon. You'll receive awesome perks like access to our private Discord, discounts and early access to our merch, first glimpse of our comics and other projects, and so much more. You can further support us and show off your prowess as an aircraft specialist by visiting our shop at cancelformaintenance.com. If you like classy or rugged watches, visit our affiliate Rockwell Time at rockwelltime.com. Use the code CX, the number 4MX, to save 10% off your total order. If you have suggestions for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, send us a line on our contact us section at cancelformaintenance.com and we'll do what we can to get both your ideas and yourself on the show. Please support us on social media like Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at CANX for Maintenance Podcast, or Twitter at CXMX Podcast. Please check out our new comic series on the Tapas app. Like, share, subscribe, and comment on our comics. Let us know what you think. Thank you all so much for your support and listenership, and we will catch you all next time.